just can't use the internet today, apparently. It's Friday, August 25th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering, and with me today are Gordon Derek, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Washing Tablet Expert, and Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and World Famous Blogger. Gordon, why are you a washing tablet expert this week? This goes back to something I put on Facebook after I'd come back from the supermarket and unwisely chosen the home brand washing tablets. And my younger son, who's quite sensitive to strong smells, was complaining all week about a terrible smell in the house. And I couldn't work out what it was, and I suddenly realised it was coming from the laundry. And it sm- smells like, remember when you are at school and they kind of polished all the banisters before the start of term and the corridors all stank of varnish? That's what it smells like. Well, why did you choose varnish-scented washing tablets? <laughs> well, why does anyone make varnish-scented washing tablets? Why did Jumbo choose to yeah, use this? Exactly. Smell. I have to say, do not buy Yumbo's own brand washing tablets, even if they are t- less than three euros. There goes our chances of Yumbo sponsoring the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and Molly, why are you a world-famous blogger? My blog was nominated for one of the best expat blogs in the Netherlands, or is on the list for one of the best expat blogs in the Netherlands. And how many expat blogs are on this list? I have 42, right. so, so basically every expat blog in the Netherlands. You weren't listed on the list, Gordon. <laughs> and is this a blog about washing tablets? Yes, it's a blog. Mm. all about washing tablets Uh, you know what i thought was funny about this is it's not really an an expat blog and the last post that i had up on the blog when it was nominated was about making a bullet journal and so i was (laughs) like i don't understand why i'm included but you know thanks thanks for that we don't understand that too how's your week been paul Uh, i i still have holiday so uh, i didn't do anything Uh, (laughs) actually you've been to the beach yeah i went to the beach yeah yeah Yeah. i was uh, laying on the beach i was you know kind of sleeping and all of a sudden i felt something uh, on my leg so I woke up, looked at my leg, and was this seagull was picking in my leg for some reason. <laughs> Did you think you were dead? I, I, I think I, he thought I was dead, yeah. <laughs> so I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I I was like, what are you doing? And then he flew away. So it was a weird situation. <laughs> were you off taking creepy long lens photos of the coalition debate? <laughs> I was sleeping. Yeah, sure, sure, Paul. <laughs> it was the PVV seagull. This week, we'll update you again on the coalition talks, discuss the terrorism threat in Rotterdam, and tell you why weekends become less and less popular. On Wednesday, a concert by the American band Allah Las at the Mas Silo venue in Rotterdam was cancelled after police received a tip-off from their Spanish counterparts that terrorists were targeting the venue. In the early hours of Thursday, an anti-terrorism team arrested a 22-year-old man in his home in Zevenbergen. According to Justice Minister Stef Blok, the man had posted a threatening message on social media, which led police to cancel the concert. Following the arrest, there is no longer a specific terrorist threat, according to Rotterdam Mayor Ahmed Abu Taleb. Minister Blok told BNR Radio that it was a shame the concert had to be cancelled, but justified that all indications were there that this was a serious threat. The minister added that we are very interested why he carried out this stupid act. I love the uh, Dutch directness. Yeah. Yeah. stupid No messing about it. Why did you do this? So it turns out he's not a terrorist, he's just a very naughty boy. Yeah, Yeah, apparently, yeah. 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 What else we know about him, actually? Uh, not much. The only thing I know is that his parents were on holiday, so he was home alone when the police uh, uh, entered his house. 
Don't leave your 22-year-old sons unattended exactly. at home on Hotline. On social media, yeah. But what I thought was kind of interesting about this is it wasn't on, like, Twitter or Facebook, but on Telegram, which mm. is a sort of... It's a bit like WhatsApp, It's a bit it? like okay. WhatsApp, yeah. but with more... Uh, terrorists. Yeah, more terrorists. Yeah, yeah and more security. It's supposed um, to have more yeah. security, more yeah. encryption. Yeah. But it's used, uh, apparently, a lot by ISIS terrorists yeah. and also the uh, press uh, team. Yeah. So that's why I think the agencies are looking at this app. Mm. So there was something about a white van driver, right, Paul? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Shortly after the alert in Rotterdam, a white van with Spanish license plates was found parked nearby, containing several gas bottles. The van had been driving suspiciously in the area. The driver, who was over the legal alcohol limit, was arrested, but police discovered he was an engineer and the gas was for domestic use. He was later released and discounted from the investigation. It's just a bizarre thing, isn't it, that there happened to be a van with Spanish plates after the information Yeah, with, the gas, bottles. And yeah. with gas bottles. And yeah. who is driving drunk through the streets of Rotterdam around this specific venue. Yeah. But this is the second time that a quote-unquote terrorist incident has happened with a driver who's just been intoxicated or under the influence of something because this also happened in Amsterdam a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, at right? the central yeah. station. This, it was yeah. during the Ramadan and the um, the man was... Uh, he had like a seizure or something, right? Or I think he was... Uh, he didn't have enough nutritional... Low sugar level, yeah. 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 blood yeah. sugar level yeah. because of the Ramadan, of course, and he, he started driving it. Erratically. Yeah, yeah, and he was taking there's now an ongoing conspiracy theory doing the rounds on Twitter that there was more to it somehow. Yeah, Kane Style leaked his arrest sheet. Yeah, and they, they released his name, which was a which Islamic uh, yeah. Islamic yeah. name. Yeah. Yes. And interestingly enough, there were no camera footage the of the incident. Point, the weird theory is, you know, as soon as you actually think about it for two seconds, why would the police cover up a terrorist attack that happened in broad daylight in one of the most busiest parts of Amsterdam? And it kind of falls apart. But, you know, it's quite persistent. I yeah. think you have to stop reading conspiracy theories on Twitter. <laughs> I think I do. But uh, indeed, all the indications were there that this was an actual threat because this information was coming from the Spanish police, who is obviously dealing with the aftermath of a terrorist attack it was Barcelona. Uh, it yeah. was yeah in Barcelona the name of the band Alala yeah. which is, mm. you know, you can imagine why Muslim terrorists would be offended by this name. And then on top of that, there is this Spanish fan that's uh, driving around the area. Yeah, filled with gas bottles and driving erratically. Yeah. So don't uh, drink and drive in the Netherlands for fear of being arrested as a terrorist. <laughs> Guys, I'm really talk- tired of talking about the coalition process. We know. But we're going to do it again anyway. <sighs> The negotiators and leaders from the four parties, the Baby Day, the Sedea, Desis, the Sestag, and the Christian Uni, aren't. They are continuing to negotiate nearly five months after national elections. They are, however, really tired of their location and have decided to move the discussion to Hilversum this week. The group met at the Zwaluenberg estate on Thursday and Friday, staying overnight on the property. Oh, nice. Since I'm not the only one tired of this coalition process, the current cabinet has started budget talks ahead of what is known to most as Princess Dog, but is known to the Dutch podcast listeners as Budget Day. The event takes place on September 19th this year and is when the monarch announces the plan for the country for the year. According to a report by NOS, the outgoing ministers plan to spend several million euros making sure people living on social security benefits or on small punchins are not hit financially in 2018, just some of the estimated 1.7 billion euro budget surplus. Even more sick of the coalition talks was Peter Dausenberg, a VVD MP, who is standing down as of September 1. Dausenberg is the party's spokesperson on education and is leaving for the role of chairman of the Dutch Universities Association, the VVU. So is it common for MPs to quit their seats before the end of the parliamentary term? Uh, sadly, yes. Parliamentary chairwoman Kadia Arib has been highly critical of MPs leaving the job before their time is up. 
As a chosen representative of the people, you should complete your term in office. You are given a mandate by the voters, she said, but I cannot force them to stay. And um, so maybe we should clarify as well exactly what happens to his seat, given that, uh, you know, the, the MPs are elected on a proportional system. Well, the Vivi Day has gotten in trouble here in the past. Uh, Johan Howers left Parliament in 2013 while being investigated for mortgage fraud, was later fined, but returned to Parliament to replace another Vivi Day MP, Mark Verheinen, who quit over an expenses scandal. Howers was next on the list to replace Verheinen, but was banned from the party, so returned as an independent MP. Yeah, here is this interesting thing that people don't get really elected in parliament. You get elected as a group of a political party, mm. um, but uh, an MP owns his own seat. So whenever an MP is kicked out of the party, he can just say, I, I remain in parliament as an independent MP, mm. and I don't have anything to do with my old party anymore. Mm. And that is when the last government got in trouble because this MP, Howers, he stepped out of the party or he's kicked out of the party. Mm. I don't remember exactly, but he stayed in Parliament, which meant that the old government lost its majority. Yeah, but didn't he leave Parliament and then actually come back because he was next on the list? And then when he came back... Oh, and then um, he became an independent. Yeah, yeah. he became an independent because when he returned, the party said, we don't want you anymore because obviously you've, you've been fined for mortgage fraud. But it's curious that one party in particular seems to have a lot of problem with uh, MPs being investigated for fraud and, you know, losing bonnetiers and all the rest of it. <laughs> That's, yeah. It always seems to be the Fefe Day. It always <laughs> does seem to be the Fefe Day. Very often when, when you see a headline that says, this politician is being investigated for some sort of fraud. You, you can guess what party it is, but uh, it's always the favorite day. Do we know yet? It will go to the next. Uh, it will go, go to the next. next yeah, because he's, list, yes, yeah, yeah, because he he doesn't uh, uh, choose to remain in parliament as an MP. He right. just goes away and resigns, and then his seat cuts it w- will be uh, replaced by the next in line. Yeah, but do, uh, and this happens as well. Obviously, when they finally choose a cabinet, then all the MPs at the moment uh, who are in parliament, like Mark Rutte, Mark Rutte is currently an MP, but when he becomes prime minister again, he'll have to leave parliament because there's a rule about separation of powers. He can't be in the cabinet and in parliament, and then someone else uh, on the Fefe Days list of candidates will take his seat. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of people who've been waiting, hanging around, presumably getting on with their day jobs since March, waiting to take seats in Parliament and for the Fefe Day and the other parties. They are, they are just as tired of these <laughs> negotiation <laughs> talks as we are, I think, yeah. Everyone is tired of the coalition talks. As the first pupils went back to school this week after the summer holidays, one girl was heading to court to contest her exam results. The girl from Brabant missed an overall pass in her VVO exam by 0.05 points. Her lawyer says an ambiguous question in the French paper made the difference between success and failure. And although the exam board, the Safe ATA, gave all students an extra 0.1 points in compensation, the lawyer argues this wasn't enough and is seeking an injunction against the board. It's believed to be the first time a school pupil has asked a judge to revise their exam grades. Yeah, but Gordon, this isn't the first time this paper has been at the centre of a controversy, though. Uh, no, because in the course of the summer, a lot of teachers complained that this particular French paper was substandard and they were actually ignoring the official marking advice when they were marking the papers and uh, giving uh, answers as correct when they officially shouldn't have done. Um, and the ed- education inspectorate uh, took the unusual step. After this had surfaced in the NOS, some teachers anonymously went to the media to, to voice their concerns. So the exam education inspectorate then actually asked to see the correspondence between the teachers and the exam board. Yeah, there was this one question in particular. It was a multiple choice question, and I think the question was like, uh, "What does this word mean, mm. or, or what's the best translation for this word in Dutch and French?" And there were four options listed, but yeah. two of them were actually the same. And the one 
word was the correct answer and the other wasn't, even though yeah. if you looked it up in a dictionary, it, it meant yeah. ac- there exactly two, the two same. Other sounds were correct. Actually, there, were, there were problems with other questions on this paper, and they, they actually revised the paper and remarked the exams, but they didn't correct this question until a later stage when they couldn't remark the exams anymore, so what they did instead was they gave everybody an extra point, an extra 0.1 points, mm. and the lawyer was saying, well, actually, what should have happened is that they should have remarked all the papers with all the correct questions, and that would have meant the girl passed. I think they have a point. But who needs yeah. French anyway? So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I presume that this nice young girl from Brabant will grow up to be a Dutch person who goes by caravan via Belgium <laughs> to France every year. So maybe she should uh, improve her French language skills. Yeah. And if she loses the case, then I uh, say la vie. Yeah. <laughs> but what does this mean for the girl? Well, unless you get the result changed, it means she's failed the school year. And so she can't uh, go ahead to uh, study whatever she wants to do at higher education unless she resets, right? Yeah, the judge has said that he would give his verdict faster than usual next week next week instead of the usual four weeks or three or four weeks so that he gives his verdict and then she knows if she can start uh, the new she can still start studying if if the verdict goes her way yeah yeah Yeah. they couldn't just give her a new french exam to reset for that's not an option no that's not an option i think it's too late for that Uh, okay well we will update our listeners as to exactly what happens next week i guess in french in french The weekends are becoming less and less popular, according to the national statistics agency CBS, at least to babies. The agency compared birth dates of the past 50 years and came to some interesting conclusions. Fewer children are born in the weekends than they were 50 years ago. Friday is the most common day with 15.8%. And on Sunday, the fewest babies are born with 11.3%. The decrease in weekend babies, according to CBS, is because more births are planned. Most babies are born in hospitals, which is more convenient during the week. Some 75% of babies in the Netherlands are born in hospitals. On average, 471 babies are born in the Netherlands every day. The most common birthday in 2016 was July 8th with 610 births. There's also been a shift in the seasons. According to CBS, parents prefer their children to be born in the spring. However, the autumn is the most common season for a baby to be born. 50 years ago, more babies were born in the summer, but modern contraceptives allow parents to plan their pregnancies. So uh, which seasons uh, were you born in? Uh, I was a kind of late summer baby. I was born at the end of August. I'm a fall baby. I was born in the middle of uh, October. And I'm a winter baby. Was anyone born on the weekend? No, I was, a fr- no. I was born on Friday, so I'm very common. I, I was born on a Tuesday. I was also born on a Tuesday. Mm. Wow. So, uh, didn't the CBS also investigate uh, some other statistics when it did this report? Yes, uh, they did. They investigate uh, death rates, and the weekend is suffering a bump in popularity by death too. According to the statistics agency, death rates were the same in the weekend and during the week 40 years ago, but uh, here too we see a shift towards weekdays since then. CBS assumes this is because death rates are more often the results of surgery or complicated medical procedures, and these are more likely to take place during the week. Apparently failing doctors tend to work during the week. With orders, yeah, there's no surgery taking place at the weekends. Yeah, And is, is euthanasia anything to do with it? But obviously, you know, euthanasia usually arranged with your doctor, so presumably he does that during the working week as well. Yeah, but it doesn't happen so often that it, that, that, that you can it's see not, that uh, effect in the death rates. It's not statistically rates. significant. No, no. I would be curious now to know what is the day that is most popular for uh, euthanasia, and if there's any sort of correlation with that. You know, like how weddings here, are the popular day is wet Mondays because it's like free at the Gemeente to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, if you got a discount on Tuesday morning. I think it's Tuesday. You can marry on Monday and you can do divorce euthanasia on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Marry on Monday, divorce on Tuesday and die on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and be born on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> born on Friday. Wait, this is kind of weird. <laughs> 
After last week's summer sports roundup, which focused almost exclusively on the success of the women's teams, we're pleased to report that the Dutch men have finally found a sport they can play. Hockey. The European Championships are taking place in Amsterdam this week, and both home teams have made it to the semi-finals. The men finished top of their group, despite losing their second match 5-0 to Belgium, and now face England for a place in the final. The women have gone one better, they qualified in even more emphatic fashion, beating the Czech Republic 10-0, and are now through to the final against Belgium after beating England 1-0. It was sweet revenge for the women's team after losing to England at the Rio Olympics and the last European Championships in London. Both times on penalties, because if there's one thing that unites the sexes in Dutch sport, it's that they're terrible at taking penalties. So, Gordon, you're Scottish. What about the uh, Scottish team? Uh, well, then, yeah, they, they haven't uh, been quite so successful on the pitch, and uh, actually off the pitch, they're more of a kind of a low-key operation, because basically, the, the Scottish Hockey Federation has no money at all. I don't even know how they got there. I think they swam from five. Um, <laughs> it's but, a good warm-up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're very fit um, as, as a result of it. But they, they, they've had to get around on bikes, because they have no money for a bus, so really? they've had to cycle nine kilometers either each way from the hotel to the training pitches but they can just pretend that this is a dust thing right yeah exactly yeah. can we start in a, a, a hero 555 <laughs> <laughs> well he's on youtube because um former olympic rower thomas Friedhoff heard about uh, this um, heart-rending story and uh, he arranged uh, for three luxury tesla cars to pick them up ahead of their showpiece match against england so i assume that they won uh no they still lost two nil <laughs> <laughs> but there is some scottish success in the Edinburgh Zoo, right? Uh, yes, that's right, because uh, the pandas in Edinburgh Zoo are due to give birth. In fact, they may already have done so. I haven't checked this morning. But six years ago, two pandas uh, arrived um, in, in, in Edinburgh Zoo, which, as we know at the time, was it's, uh, said to be the best panda enclosure in the world. It's not anymore. It's not anymore, because now the Chinese have gone to the Burger Zoo and said that that's the best panda enclosure in the world. Pandas have been in Scotland for six years, and finally, after repeated failures, one of the pandas has finally managed to get pregnant, and uh, we can have baby pandas in Scotland. Are they wow. going to have a live webcam? When we had pandas in dc they had a they had a webcam and you could everyone was not doing anything at work and instead was watching the like <laughs> is the pan has the panda given birth yet? Right in, in scotland they respect privacy so i don't <laughs> think so uh, and there was some other dutch female success uh yes lika martins uh, who was the uh, standing player of victorious team at the european championships um last month uh, it was being named european footballer of the year so she had a nice uh, gala night out with uh, Lionel messi and uh, cristiano ronaldo well, good for Holland her. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah, but the Dutch men, sadly, in football have uh, continued their recent tradition. Ajax last night were knocked out by Norwegian side Rosenberg. They lost 3-2 in Norway, and uh, having lost 1-0 at Amsterdam, that means they failed to qualify for European competition for the first time in 25 years. At yeah. what point do we just decide that men shouldn't play sports anymore? I think we're, we're coming up to it quite I think, soon. I yeah. think now. I think yeah. Dutch men should just pack it in and train for water polo photos. Yeah, or, or just make tea. Yeah, make tea. That's that's good. Speaking of which, can you guys come and make some tea? <laughs> and uh, and Feyenoord, uh, against whom did they uh, were they drawn? We should mention FC Utrecht as well. They had a calamitous night. Uh, they lost two 0 to Zenit St Petersburg. Um, so that means there's no Dutch team in the Europa League. And of course, final drop out of their Champions League group. They've been drawn with Manchester City, um, Napoli, and um, Shakhtar Donetsk. Are those no. actual words? <laughs> They're actual places. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I realize you have an American grasp of geography, but these are real. I, I also have an American grasp of uh, what you people call soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the people in Donetsk will think the same about uh, Feyenoord rather than. Yeah. Is, is that a word? 
Who amongst us hasn't felt the need for a keyboard option on our phones to write in the dialect of the Netherlands' southern province of Limburg? I for one have not, but it seems a lot of residents of the province have. Under the tutelage of linguist experts from the University of Maastricht, volunteers worked to include words and diacritical marks specific to the Dutch dialect. The keyboard, which will be part of the SwiftKey application, is available now in beta version and will be available in September in the finalized version for both Android and Apple. Uh, does this include every variation of the dialect? because there are a lot of them. Yeah, no, according to one of the researchers, the Limburg dialect differs every, quote, three kilometers. Instead, it offers the option for users to create their own words and phrases so they can cater the keyboard to their uh, individual dialect. Because I, I read um, a few months ago, they discovered a new language in Limburg. It's oh. called Cité Duits. It's kind of a mix of, well, mainly Dutch, but a mix of, uh, also with a lot of uh, Germ heavy German and Limburgish influence in. They discovered that it emerged in about the uh, first half of the 20th century, uh, one of the small industrial towns where this language just kind of emerged and it had a lot of um, because a lot of migrant workers had a lot of words oh. as well from you know, places from countries in Eastern Europe so there's a word for aeroplane which came from Polish oh. and now this language it's, uh, there's only ever been you know a couple of hundred speakers and the last of them uh, are into their 70s so linguists have finally just discovered this language just it's dying out so they're <laughs> frantically kind of trying to uh, assemble information about it and I'm sure if Android will be fast they can have a keyboard option for that uh, <laughs> exactly. recently discovered language in Limburg We'll be discussing the terrorist threat in the Netherlands, why the Netherlands haven't been attacked and why the terrorist threat level has been at level 4 for the past 4 years after these words from our sponsors. Do you drive or ride a bike? Are you in the train or on the train? If you're producing text in English but aren't sure of just the right wording, M Squared can help you. M Squared is a digital publications company that can help you with all of your writing, editing and translation needs. They have a combined 20 years experience crafting the perfect document from editing books to writing website copy. If you need help with your website text, brochure, thesis, press release and more, contact them at info at msqrd.com. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. As we mentioned in our top story, police had to cancel a concert in Rotterdam after they were tipped off about a possible terrorist attack, which turned out to be one person posting a message on social media. The incident is a reminder that the country is constantly on alert and the security services and police are monitoring for possible terrorist activity. How real is the terrorist threat in the Netherlands and how does it affect the way we go about our day-to-day -day lives? Yeah, so I did a few uh, interviews about this on the radio in the course of Thursday and one of the questions that kept coming back was given that there hasn't been a major terrorist attack in the Netherlands but there have been in places like Brussels and Paris at a couple of hours drive away how how aware and how worried are the Dutch about the prospect of it happening here? I thought that the Dutch about. response to the thing in Rotterdam was actually fairly like Calm. in the sense that like people were like some shit happened and then they were like oh this isn't really that bad and like let's just go on about our lives basically yeah. Like, yeah. but then no that actually uh, but it turned out that nothing really happened yeah it was fuzzled on that's part of the reason in his parents basement yeah. sort of you know sort of typing messages on telegram yeah. uh, yes but the Ein Vandaag opinion panel our favorite opinion panel um, <laughs> they tested that after ourselves <laughs> after ourselves first ourselves yeah. were first our favorite ourselves. opinion panel no it's a weird uh, opinion panel because they just uh, randomly grabs uh, you can you can register for this oh, panel right, yeah. and uh, so it's not a proportionate uh, no uh, but they uh, did a survey and they found out that dutch people feel safe even after terrorist attacks 
happen yeah. or stuff like this happens. So that's part of the reason, perhaps, yeah. why people react so calm. They're not. They're generally not afraid. Yeah, there's not not much panic or something. Yeah. I think the reactions were very calm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. So us, you know, it's like you know, are people worried that there might be a terrorist attack here, given yeah. that it's been, they've happened in Brussels and Paris, and you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, statistically, yeah, probably right. at some point it's going to happen here. Like, that's just sort of the reality of the world that we live in. But, but like, it doesn't really seem to change the daily habits of, you know, I don't But it's kind of weird, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking about this whole sort of terrorist threat level because, on one hand, you know, the, um, the authorities are saying you just carry on with your lives, you know, don't let the terrorists win, yeah. don't ban it. But on the other hand, they've got this thing called the terrorist threat level, right. which is constantly at level, you know, one, level four. four. Yeah, well, which this is, is why they got rid of this one in the US right after 9 <laughs> 11. They had this like color scheme thing and everything yeah. was constantly at orange. And it's like, well, you can't ever put the terrorist threat level down to green. So this is a exactly. stupid thing to have. So yeah. they got. Yeah, rid of that. We've never, been, we've never put it up because that will sort of make people panic, you know, and say, oh my God, something's about to happen. Right. Terrible's about to happen. There's always a danger if you put it down because yeah. there might be an attack next week and then everyone says, oh, you weren't ready. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it has any implications for like the readiness of the police forces or yeah, like uh, 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 intervention teams. Yeah. Why, why I don't know, but, but even at the incident in Rotterdam, they didn't raise the level to five. Mm. No. It just remained at four. Yeah. And why is that? Because the level five is temporarily and it is uh, locally put yeah. in place. Right. But the uh, incident was so specifically located at one <laughs> location, yeah. at one house or at one venue <laughs> that they didn't have to raise the Right, it's uh, not dangerous level. unless you're at this venue, so which they had evacuated the like yeah. long before. Yeah, yeah, so there was no reason to, to raise it. So yeah. indeed, why do we have it? And, and they even like last year, they introduced a new level, threat level. You know, level, they introduced level three. That wasn't there. Oh, it was, wasn't there was, before. Was this like a hotel where they just <laughs> skipped <laughs> floor 13? <laughs> <laughs> there, there were four levels and we were at level three and then they brought in a new level three and raised it to level four. Oh, so now we are stuck at level four. No actual statistics on whether or not terrorist incidents worldwide are increasing because I feel like it's not. It's not. I feel like it gets covered as though sort of this like Islamic terrorist threat. But if you go back, you know, 30 years, right? I'm kind of trying to count this as like places <laughs> that are like not in existing war zones. Yeah, Europe or like, you know, or Europe, US, the US, yeah. whatever. You know, they there was this all this shit that went down with the IRA, right? Like those yeah. were terrorists. And then like you go back like a few more years in the US and like the beginning of the 19th century, they had all these like anarchists from Italy and that were like blowing all this stuff up. There's this famous like case from Boston where they blew up a molasses fact. This has been a long, this is a long standing way for like politically, people who feel politically oppressed or culturally oppressed to like express their grievances. Like, it, I'm not defending it. You, know, you, had, you had the Red Brigades in Italy, you had the, you had the, you had the RAF in Germany. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're all you're blowing up people yeah. left, right and center. You have an anarchistic wave, I think, in the early 20th century and yeah. then you have like this this um, socialist wave yeah. uh, with the Rota Armee yeah. Fraktion yeah. and stuff like that and these groups that wanted to have an independent state like yeah. the IRA and then ETA in ETA if you compare the death toll which is obviously is very it's, it's terrible what's yeah. happening now but if you compare that to uh, other periods of time then yeah. it's not that bad all so the attacks have recently been kind of small scale it's been yeah. you know, one guy hires a van and drives into a crowd which right. is not actually a very sophisticated thing to do no, no, no it's it's not, I mean, compared to like 9-11 which is a really you know sort of sophisticated, sophisticated operation that took yeah. months and they had hundreds of people yeah. involved yeah. I mean, that kind of tells you actually you know in terms of organized terrorism 
Not it's not that organized as it as it no. was no, supposed to be. No, I mean it's be. just one yeah. person that clearly has like mental health issues who's like latched on to some ideology. I mean it doesn't even really seem to me that it's a part of some sort of larger like find it very similar to what you see in the U.S. with like you know the school shootings and stuff like this, mm. right? That mm. it's like disenfranchised people, not people who are part of some sort of, it doesn't feel like it's part of some sort of like organized group. Not like the, you know, the ETF, right? Where they have end political goals here and they're trying to get the government to come to the table. It's just like a random dude with a man. And you sort of grab for some kind of justification for what you're doing. Yeah, but like Anders Breivik found a justification. It was was just arguing something else, right? He was actually about about the deadliest terrorist that there's been in the last last five five or six years. These actual lone wolves, these are the real danger because Right. if you have a terrorist yeah. cell they are uh, uh, organizing a terrorist attack they are communicating with each exactly. other and then that's you when you can intercept yeah. it yeah and they buy you know they buy stuff yeah. and like these other kinds of things I guess I don't know maybe it's just coming from America where you sort of have to just deal with the fact there's there there's could always well a be danger. a crazy guy with a gun yeah. at the mall kind of thing that like you know you just like you can't do too much about this no. stuff I, I mean just at gonna... least there's no clear to me like public policy solution for no. keeping crazy people from having vans it does tend to come that. down as well just as to who's got the guns right. I mean, that tends to be you know literally I mean, in the 70s the, you know, the, the left wing terrorists all had the guns and they were in, in the bombs and, yeah. and, and the IRA and then the IRA put their guns away and they're no longer a terrorist organisation right. and now you know the, the guns are sort of flowed into the Middle East and into you know so people like Al Qaeda and, 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 yeah. and that's why they're dangerous yeah. Yeah. But, you know, even in places, right, like, I mean, you, you saw this in London, I mean, you saw this in Barcelona, like, they don't have access to guns, so they're less effective terrorists, mm-hmm. but, like... Yeah. and easier for the police to, easy, to, yeah. to disarm and deal with. You well. know, when, you, you know, know, sure, the, the, you the, can... the guy in London had a, you know, went around stabbing people. Right. Which was nasty for those people, and meant, you know, he only got to about three, three. before he was overpowered. Right. Yeah. So, you know, very pro, you know, a good argument in favor of gun control, which is great, <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day, I mean, I just don't, just don't think that, like, humanity is ever going to kind of... Solve this issue. Yeah, no. Stop people killing each other altogether. That would be the best be, be solution. Right. Yeah. Although I have been seeing some <laughs> academic research, which I quite like, because as the only woman on this podcast, that was showing that uh, the real thing that all of these people have in common is is that they're all men who had been committing domestic abuse, and mm. so that we should do a better job on like <clears throat> treating and training and and jailing men who commit domestic yeah. violence, because that's like one of the things that almost all of these attackers have had in common. This is that they're men who have committed domestic abuse. And actually, that's another thing in the country that the Dutch have a very good record of actually rehabilitating and treating prisoners, yeah. and not just you know letting them rot in a cell and then they come out again. As you know, a, as an even worse terrorist, yeah. Yeah. Terrorist, yeah. yeah. yeah that's where, th- where that's where most you know, terrorists are recruited. Yeah, really in, a lot of terrorists are radicalized in prison. Yeah. 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 Actually, you know, we've got unfortunately it's been you know the whole kind of TBS system has been neglected over the last. Yeah, that'd be a very good, effective way of yeah. stopping people. And, and not only that system, but yeah. the uh, uh, intelligence agencies, uh, their budget had been cut for several years now. Yeah. And I don't think that helps uh, preventing terrorism. Uh. Yeah, and I will say that one thing, not that I like want to give the Netherlands super high marks on how they deal with integration, particularly integration of people who are coming from like non-European countries, but it does seem to me that it's better here than it is in places like France and Belgium, where you have seen some of these like sort of quote-unquote homegrown radicals, yeah, right? Yeah, okay as well. Yeah, and that. so they seem to have done like a slightly better job. I mean, I don't... You know, That's all the radicals go to Syria. Right. Well, yeah, the Dutch <laughs> radicals go to Syria and then you take away their passports. Like, or, they get, or they get shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this does seem to be a thing, right? Like, this is one of the arguments where you see comparatively fewer sort of homegrown quote-unquote terrorists among the Muslim population in the yeah. U.S. proportional to how many, like, 
Muslim people there are there is because they, they the U.S. does a very a much better job, like I think, than even most Western countries sort of integrating these people into yeah. into society. Yeah, you, you radicali radicalize, of course, when you are neglected by society right. and you have people around you that uh, already have these ideas and it's very easy to slide into such an ideology. Yeah, you just become, become detached from kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. society and you, you gravitate towards, yeah, and then if some sort of random group just comes comes along and, uh, yeah, drags you into their yeah. little... Being the audience, I mean, it's been Theo van Gogh. But, yeah. but nothing, you know, after Theo van Gogh, there was a whole sort of Hofstadt trial, wasn't there, where they sort of rounded up a sort of group of about how many people? So I think five or six, yeah, something six. like that. But then, yeah, but that sort of, you know, it didn't seem to go any wider than that, you know? So it's very important to attach people certainly from yeah. these kind with these kind yeah. of yeah. thoughts and ideologies to our society. Yeah. So uh, do not neglect them and put them away in a ghetto. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Molly Quell and Gordon Derek. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Thank you.